0: Let's pray that God, open your heart today, let's pray together. Let's pray that God will come. Let's pray that God will settle amongst us. Father in heaven, we're here today again just to worship the God of heaven. We're here just because our hearts are hungry and thirsty. And Lord, we find that this old world, it just drains the very life out of us. But oh God, we thank you that every time we come here, we feel and sense and experience the Lord coming among us and coming upon us in power. Our Father in heaven, we pray that as we come to worship you, that we may know your help, may know your moving, may know your voice, may know your spirit, may know your presence amongst us. And so, Father, we hand this meeting over to you now, praying your blessing upon us in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a number of songs. The first one is, My Jesus, My Saviour. come into this house and gather in his name to worship him not only to hear a preacher uh, we trust that God will speak to the pre- through the preacher but we've come to worship his name that's why we're here be seated. I'm going to ask the children to come forward, please. Children, if you come forward, and uh, we're going to do uh, I May Never March in the Infantry. This is where you get your opportunity to do a bit of exercise and make sure you get all those uh, arms and legs and all your muscles all limbered, and you are all ready to go. So thank you so much. Anybody else? Anyone, any, any grannies and grandas want to come? All right. And, and right after that, after this, we have a Sunday school. But uh, I May Never. Now, there's two verses. Not right, Richard? All right. So pay attention. Uh, I think I'll get... Will I I get them to stand? What do you think? Uh, Well, we take a vote? We'll have a vote, all right? Hands up those of you who want them all to stand. (laughs) And those who don't want them to stand. (laughs) Any abstentions? (laughs) All right. Up you get. Sorry about that. I'm in Never March in the infantry. Right. Let me see you doing the actions because I tell you this is where you get a wee bit of an opportunity to limber up and get ready uh, for the rest of the service. Because you've been sitting long enough. I've only got an hour and a half to preach today. All right, thank you so much. I'm in Never March. Ready? Ah. Down. <laughs> thank you so much all right boys and girls you're heading up to sunday school good to have you and there'll be someone there to come along to i hope you enjoyed that because i that's the wee bit of a service that i enjoy out of it all jessica price jessica going to come and read the scriptures to us just now thank you very much jessica and
1: um, i just get you to turn to romans chapter five starting at verse one
0: jessica thank you so much that is my favorite verse uh, uh, where the, the love of god it's in, again in the old old king james the love of god is shed abroad in our hearts by the holy ghost that's given to us. so it's, it's, it's the holy spirit that makes the difference uh before we come to the table there's just one word uh, that has really gripped my heart as i would bring it to you this morning in prepar- preparation for coming to the table so, God so loved the world. And you know the kind of a preacher I am, I have the habit of maybe uh, not thinking that people are very nervous when they come in front of people. But I was thinking of myself running around the congregation this morning and i bring someone up and I'd say, God so loved the world. And we often, you know, whenever we're, whenever we're uh, teaching especially children, when we're teaching them about that wonderful verse, God so loved the world, we tell them to put their name into it. God so loved Trevor. God so loved Andy. God so loved Samuel. God so loved Neil. God so loved Stuart. God so loved Tommy. God so loved Jessica, Emma. God so loved Charlotte. God so loved Rachel. God so loved Jackie. God so loved... The world how what is that word so That it incorporates the the giving of his son the, the bearing of the pain and the shame and the, and the mockery of the world to endure the pain and wrath of God and the mockery and the and the accusations and the criticism of this whole world he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son if we can make it personal this morning, God so loved me. And that's why I come back to him. I brave the elements outside. I'll brave the snow. I'll brave the winter. Because I want to be in his presence. I want to give him glory. and I want to give him thanks for what he's done for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So let that be the thought as you, as you come to the table Make it so personal that if you'd been the only person ever born, he still would have went all the way to Calvary. God so loved the world. We're going to stand and sing, I cast my mind to Calvary. stay still in God's presence. Let's pray together and uh, let's pray. Father thank you for Lord this has just been a, a fleeting moment in our service but Lord it, nevertheless it has been a telling moment. We we, we we lift our hearts in praise and thanksgiving to him. Oh, this is not about Elam this is not about uh, a church building. This is all about Christ yeah. and we lift up our hearts in praise to him. And Father we pray that the, there may be those in this gathering today who have real needs. God, would you meet with them at the point of their need, Lord. We, we believe you have a word for everyone. Lord, we believe you've not only got a Logos, but you've got a Rima. And, though God, we pray that we will be able to hear what the Lord is saying. God, we pray for against any restriction, any yeah. obstacle, yeah. any distraction, Lord, because we know the enemy would want to discourage, dishearten. He'd want to distract us. We in case we'd hear what god would say to us and so father we lift up this moment to you and say have your way speak with a voice that wakes the dead cause the people to hear those who are ill those who are sick lord those who are uh free and those who are going through trauma and difficulty lord we pray have them to reach out and touch the lord as he goes by we ask, Father, for the needs of our community and our land, and Lord, we're, we're watching what's happening in the Middle East and around the world, Lord, and, and, and these could easily be interpreted as the birth pains of the last days, Lord. And, oh God, we see what's happening in Iran, we see what's happening in, in Syria, we see what's happening in Damascus, we see what's happening in, in, in Palestine, we see what's happening in Israel, we see what's happening around the world, Lord. And you said, when we see these things, they are as birth pains. And Father, we don't want a church that's sleeping. Lord, we don't want to be lying asleep. We don't want to be in our, uh, some kind of a lethargic state. Lord, we don't want to be in, uh, inconsistent and, and Lord, uh, sort of out of touch and out of tune with God. We pray, dear God, that we will be putting our best foot forward. Help us to seize the moment, Lord, as we see the time approaching. Lord, I know we've been living in the last days since Christ went back to heaven. But, oh God, there will be an end of the end days. And, Lord, we, we, we believe God is speaking to the church today. And, Lord, I, I pray, God, that the Spirit of God will hit us today. Lord, that you'll ignite a fire within our souls, Lord. That that won't, that won't go out, Lord. That, that people will know that we've been with Jesus. Lord, we want to go out into Kulabaki, into our homes and into our community after today and people will be able to say they took note that they had been with Jesus. God, grant that we may indeed see, see, hear, feel, sense, know something that God uh, amongst us today. So, Lord, we, we commit, we, we leave the rest of this meeting with you. We pray as we give our offering in tithe or whatever it is we've come to give, Lord, we pray that everything will be given with a heart and a half. Lord, not, me, not, not a tight-fisted, Lord but with joy and, and, and celebration for all that he has done for us. And so accept our thanks for all you have done for us in Christ's name. Amen. Remain seated for the first part of this next song, which is There Is Our Redeemer, Jesus, God's Own Son. And we'll sing it together. we remaining seated. And there is that con- uh, that uh, magazine called Contact. And and please, they're all free at the foyer of the church. Take it with you as you leave the service this morning. Thank you so much. We'll remain seated for the first part. There is a Redeemer with your offering and tithe for the Lord's work has lifted. Thanks. and you may be seated. I'm going, to about, I'm going to talk to you about a man who's still walking 6,000 years later on. A man that's been walking with God since the day he met with him. And if you've got a Bible, would like to uh, follow the readings, and I'm going to I invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 5, and reading verses 21 to verse 24. Enoch is still walking with God. Enoch is still walking with God. Here's how it goes in Genesis chapter 5 and the verse 21. When Enoch, sorry, we'll read from verse uh, 19. Sorry about that, uh, brother, if you don't mind. Read from verse 19. And there, Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years. And he died. They got great value of the old age pension, didn't they? (laughs) Tell you, no state could have supported them, boys. (laughs) When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah, 300 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. There's not much in the Bible about Enoch. There's a bit, but there's not as much as there is about Abraham, or Isaac, or Jacob, or David, or Joseph, or Moses, or Paul, or John. But what we do have is we have enough to teach us Something about walking with God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 1 and 1, you'll find the name Enoch referred to. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 37, he's referred to again. In Jude and verse 14, he's mentioned there as well. In Hebrews 11 and 5, he's also mentioned there. And here in Genesis 5. Folks, the Bible is shallow enough that even a little babe can understand it and learn some deep truths. And yet it's deep enough that even the most learned of intellectuals will never ever delve to the very depths of what the teaching of God's Word. And I'm sure that there's many of us here today will say that every time you go to God's Word and you go to your favorite passage... You discover, you uncover something new, something wonderful that you hadn't seen before. And you can do that every day of your life and still you'll not have fathomed the depth of the teaching of God's word. Well, we learn that here about Enoch. You know, you learn an awful lot about the people that you hang around with. Isn't that right? You ha- learn an awful lot about people, about the, with the, by the people that they hang around with. I've termed chapter 4 and chapter 5 and chapter 6 of Genesis as the www dot of the Bible. Because you'll notice in chapter 4 we have Abel. He's the key person there. In chapter 5 we've got Enoch. And he's the chief person there. And in chapter 6 we have the key person as Noah. Abel, he walked with God. Sorry, Abel worshipped God. Enoch, he walked with God, and Noah, he worked for God. Hence we have the www dot of the Bible. And the first thing that we referred to last week was that God does desire our worship. It's good to be mixing and mingling with the people who worship the Lord who worship him in spirit and in truth. And as we learned last week, God desires our worship, and he deserves our worship, and he demands our worship. We we looked at that last week. And so Enoch knew someone Just preceding him, and he lived quite a long time with him, and someone who had worshipped the Lord. You know, a worshipful spirit rubs off on people, and they question what it is that that person's got that they haven't when they see someone really worshipping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Now, I'm not going to spend much time. We looked at that last week. But then when we looked at Noah, when we look at Noah, we we see a man who worked for the Lord. And as important as worship is, and by the way, working for God is as much a part of worship as singing. And whenever Abel uh, looked at, uh, uh, when Enoch looked at, at, at Noah, he, he, he saw a man who was working for the Lord. Working for the Lord. Before I go any further, can I say this? It's very important to work for the Lord. And I say that to, this to people that's in this church. If the only reason that you're in church is that you're working for the Lord, then you're here for the wrong reason. There has to be times when you are taking in alone and not here to serve. He's looking for worshipers and he's looking for workers. But when you've been saved... The Lord saves you to serve. That was one of the first things that I discovered. That I wasn't saved to be just a pew filler. That I was saved so that God would use me and I didn't really have a choice as to what way God would use me. I just knew that God wanted to use me somewhere. I knew there was something that God wanted me to do. And as you walk with the Lord in the light of his word, well, what a glory he sheds on your way. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with God. We must do what we can when we think of what the Lord has done for us. And think of that for a moment. What has he done? Well, there's no undefeated enemy, there's no unfinished business, there's no unfurnished need. There's no unfulfilled promise. There's no uncovered clause. There's no unopened door. And there's no unsolved issue concerning our salvation. It is finished, it is done. I don't know how you fix your car and how you go about fixing your car. Whenever I was a young fella, I used to go into all the scrapyards of the day just to get a piece of a car for this and a piece of that. And I think some of you know something about that in scrapyards. Not saying that you're driving a scrap heap now, by the way. But anyway, well, have you ever gone into a scrapyard and you see there, well, I think a scrapyard represents how the Lord found us. There we were, much like, result, uh, like that as a result of the fall. Our frame was bent out of shape. Our tires were flat. Our engines were seized. and, Or as we used to say, thrown a leg out of the bed. If anybody knows that kind of language. Our brakes were completely busted. Our power was completely gone. Our steering was out of line. Our electrics were all shorted. Our radiators were full of holes. and Our batteries were flat. Do you know anything about that, Gary? That's, what a, that's how God found us. That's how God met us, and he made all things new. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. Is there any reason then that I would, uh, for that I wouldn't want to serve him whenever he has done so much for me? Paul writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15 says, Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain. It's not in vain. My dear friend, we need to get busy and get going, for time is short. And God is too omnipresent to be absent, he's too omnipotent to be weak, he's too omniscient to be dumb, he's too, he's too right to be wrong, he's too good to be bad, he's too be loving to, be, to not care, and he's too punctual to be late. And therefore we need to serve him. As we said last week, he is so awesome, he's already where he's going to be and he never has to try to get to where he's going because he's always there. We want and ought to serve when we get to Genesis five, we notice something. It's like going to the papers, and I know people, and I don't know how, how they how they do it, but they're kind of morbid. They always go to the death column. Well, Genesis, anybody do that? See who's dead this week. See, I know I know people in Abbots Cross used to come to funerals just for the tea. That's true. There was one particular person, and I tell you, they went up and down, and they, they, their teas were almost as good as the ones here, Wilma. And, and whenever, they, whenever, they, whenever they came to the field, you see them going up and down the table, and they come up and back to their seat, and the, the, the plate would be full of sausage rolls, and, and all sorts of chicken, and sandwiches, and, and apple tart, and everything. and that, It was like a free meal for them. Well, Whenever you get, to, you get to Genesis 5, it's the death column of the Bible. No, notice what it says in each of these verses. If you want to go down through them, in verse, in verse, uh, where we go, we we'll start at verse, start at verse five. All the days of Adam, were nine hundred and thirty years, and he died. And in verse, in, in in verse seven, it says of Seth, and he died. In verse nine, and verse eleven, so he died. And in, and in verse 12, the last two words is, he died. And over and over and over again, every person in that verse, or in that passage, died. But when we get to Enoch, when we get to Enoch, he's not in the death column. He says, it was, he was not, for God took him. Now, Whenever we look at find someone who has got that kind of a testimony, when we, when we find out that someone has got that kind of an experience, we want to know what did he do? That he wasn't included in the death column. I mean, I would be interested anyway, wouldn't you? I mean, some of you folk, you're walking around there and you're trying to keep fat because you want to stay, you want to keep young, isn't that right? And some people go going to get a facelift and a bake lift and an eye lift And a tummy tuck. And they get bits moved from the front to the back. And they get all sorts of things done. And they come come out looking like Mr. Atlas. And they think they're going to live forever. You're not going to live forever. But whenever you find someone who hasn't had an obituary. Who hasn't died. And the Bible says he was not because God took him. And I believe he's still walking with God. 6,000 years later on. I'm interested in that fella. I'm interested in that fella. What did he do? How did it come about? What what was the experience? If you want to find out about this column, I'm not going to go into too long because it takes too long to do it, but if you want to find out whose family died, you'll find it in verse 1 of chapter 5 of Genesis. It's the Adams family, and the Adams is here. It's the Adams family. They all died. But whenever you get to the New Testament, you'll find in 1 Corinthians 15, there's a second Adam. And the interesting thing is that in Genesis 5 and verse 1, it starts off the same way as Matthew chapter 1, and you've got the lineage of Jesus. And Jesus is known as the the second Adam. So in Adam we all die, but in Christ we shall all live. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am come that you might have. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have. I am the way, the truth, and the... In the se- if you're still in the first Adam, if you're still in the Adam's family, you're in a day and race. But my dear friend, you need to get into the second Adam's family, into the life and lineage of Christ. Well, let's investigate this man. How it came about that he walked with God, because that's the key, that's the secret to Enoch. He walked with God. How did that come about? Are you fastening your seatbelts now? Have you got your thinking cap on? Is your heart open to God? Are you waiting to hear what God will say to you? Because I believe he'll speak to this message. I want you to notice the meaning of the walk that he had. The meaning. You see, this was more than a meander watching and viewing the the nice things in the the view and the the nice things that God had created. This was a meaningful walk. Something, something deep and something meaningful between him and the Lord. I want to suggest to you the first thing. Notice the harmony of this walk. It says in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, Can two walk together except they be agreed? But the problem with that is that you and I, if we want to have a relationship, we have to come to a certain agreement that we agree with certain things. And we impress upon each other the opinions that we hold so that we can have a kind of harmony and unity. But when it comes to walking with God, we have to agree with God. We agree with Him. You know that word Confession. If we confess our sins. I often wonder about that word confess to God. Or that, that thought. Confess. You're not telling God anything that he doesn't know. Whenever you confess to God. What confession means is that you're agreeing with what God thinks about your sin. That's true isn't it? Do you agree with that? Do you think God's stupid? You are, you're not telling God anything that he doesn't already know. So whenever Enoch was walking with God, he was agreeing with God and what God thinks about sin. Haven't we relegated sin into something else that it's absolutely not? Haven't we looked at sin in such a way that it's not that horrible after all? Here's something that we've done. We've we've called an adultery, an adulterous situation as an affair. Sounds nicer, doesn't it? And even one man thought about a, a fornication and they've recalled it dating. Well, I don't think I'd go that far. It depends on what you do when you're dating. Maybe there's a subject we need to hit sometime in the youth fellowship. Or what about homosexuality is now known as an alternative lifestyle? Or other things like we call sin a weakness or a mistake. God calls sin wickedness, and sin is sin in the eyes of God. And so, whenever Enoch was walking with God, he wasn't getting God to agree with his idea of what sin was. No, he was embracing sin The idea and the thought and the teaching and the feeling that God had towards sin. That all sin is sin. You know, the very first lie that ever was told was not a little white lie. It was a full-blown, mature, godless lie. He walked with God. There was the harmony of this walk. Very quickly, because... We could get too deep here and I don't want to lose you. But notice there was the habit of this walk. He walked with God. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm verse 40, chapter 40 and verse 2. He lifted me out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon the rock. This man was changing. There were things that he did last year that he wasn't doing this year. There were things that he did 10 years ago that he's not doing now. There was an absolute beginning and a changing and a cleaning up of his life. Listen, if he told nine lies last year, he'd only tell eight lies this year. You get that one? You shouldn't be lying at all. Now, I'm not saying that we live a sinless life. But I am saying, my dear friend, there must be the cleaning up of the life. Because anything that I've seen from God and his dealings with me, he lifts us out of the mirey clay. My dear friend, you can't soar with the eagles and scratch around in the dust with the buzzards. He walked with God. There was the habit of leaving behind that old sinful life that he had embraced and that he had fallen into. And he began to walk the highway of holiness that Isaiah speaks of. Not only was it the harmony of the walk, and not only was it the habit of the walk, but there was the help in this walk. Whenever well, you're walking with God, you've got His presence with you, haven't you? I tell you, in your, we got you up last Sunday, we had you dancing. That was the first time you've ever danced in this church, isn't it? We rejoice, rejoice. I tell you, in His presence there's fullness of joy. Whenever God is with you, my dear friend, you can go through hell and high water, can't you? Whenever you know that God is walking with you through the valley of the shadow of death, let's just think about that for a wee minute. Psalm number 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and instantly when we think that we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we think that that has something to do with somebody dying. And that may be so. But every one of us today are in the valley of the shadow of death. Because death is lying ahead of every one of us. But there may be circumstances, there may be situations where we're going through that are particularly challenging in our lives. And even in those particular challenges in our lives, we know he walks with me, he talks with me, his presence is real. Isn't that right? Joseph would agree with that. I mean, didn't... I I remember falling out with a minister once. He was an independent minister. You wouldn't think I'd fallen out with anybody, would you? We had a disagreement. Do you know what our disagreement was on? He was saying that Joseph was very, very like the Lord Jesus. I said, he wasn't. I think you've heard me say this before, have you? I said, in what way was he like Jesus? Well, he was, he was rejected of his brothers. He was 30, sold for 30 pieces of silver, and on and on he went to be we catalogued. Well, I said, I asked him one question. If, you see, there's a very dangerous thing whenever you try to liken people to the Lord Jesus because there's always a flaw or flaws in someone's life. And here was Joseph. Why did he have to wear that colored coat out, amongst the, out to do the shopping or do the, do the work in the farm? I mean, I wouldn't wear my best, my best coat out to do the farming, would you? And of course, that's what he did. There were elements that Joseph did that God needed to deal with in his life. But I want to tell you, He was sold to his brethren. He was down in the pit. He was then sold to Potiphar's house. He was in the palace. And then he became a president. And one of the things you learn about Joseph's life is God was with him. There's the help to walk. Can I say to you, my dear friend, when you're lost, he'll be your guide. When you're overwhelmed, he'll be all around you. He will be your guide when you're lost. He will be your healer when you're sick. He will be your strength when you're weak. He will be your light when you're in darkness. He will be your joy when you're sad. He will be your gravity when you're tempted. He will be your day when it's night. He will be your hope when there's hopelessness when there's hopelessness all around. He'll be your lover when you feel unloved. He'll be your comfortable when things are uncomfortable. He'll be your advocate when you're surrounded by accusers. He'll be your door when you're at a dead end. He'll be your life when you face death. He'll be your friend when you're deserted. That's the help in this walk. God is so awesome. He changes positions with us. I, I, I remember, more oh, now about 13, 13, 13 and a half, maybe 14 years ago, God gave me a wee A big challenge was in front of us. We, I, I had had you've probably heard part of my testimony and do you know harm to hear it again but I'm not going to go into it too deep in that I have, very, I have a very bad back kind of thing but it doesn't bother me anymore but I, I won, you remember that stubborn bush in the front of the house and it won the battle and I ended up three months and they brought my back I was so full of tablets, so full of pain relief I was so full of stuff that I was absolutely off the head and I was looking at little men running across the ceiling uh, the wife room knocking out in the bed looking for the army. I, I I I just was absolutely off my rocker with pain relief, but God was dealing with me. I was a legalist up until. You know what a legalist is? You, do anybody know what a legalist is? Yes. You you perform to be accepted. You read the King James and the King James only, and you never you never said boo to a goose, and you tried to keep yourself squeaky clean. And God started challenging me about the fact that I had law and legalism at the heart of my gospel and grace and mercy and peace and forgiveness were nowhere to be seen. Now I had a big change to make. I mean, my security, now I'm not a young fellow there either and and, and I I, I can't stay here. And so I made a decision, I I wrote a resignation letter and left not knowing where I was going. My dear friend, here's the verse that God gave me. And, and you'll find it in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52. And, and, and it's in verse, in verse 12. Isaiah 52 and verse 12. And it says these words. For you shall not go out in haste. And you shall not go out in flight. For the Lord will go before you. And it says further on. And he'll come behind you. May I say to you, my dear friend, God gave me a verse away back in the beginning of my ministry. Whenever Esther and I were leaving, selling our house and going into the work of the faith mission, God gave us one verse. we would seen, sorry, we're going, we're going from uh, Mid-Ulster, we're going down to Cork. And, and a fellow called Nigel Kisick, who we'd led to the Lord, who's now a preacher himself, he came and he gave us this lovely big picture. And there's a verse on it that says, my presence shall go with you. And God had written that on our hearts that His presence would go with us. You look at me when I say this. God has never failed to keep that promise. And you'll hear me saying, I don't ever want to be where God isn't. I don't want to be going into something, doing anything, involved in anything that God's not involved in. But if God's involved in it, I want to be in it too. Wouldn't you be the same? I tell you, my dear friend, you can go through hell and high water and knowing, and whenever you know that God is with you, can't you? And I don't know what's around the road, and I don't know what's around the corner, and I don't know what's going to happen to me in the future, but as long as God is with me there, I'll be happy enough. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What do you think kept Job? What do you think kept him? Never once did he accuse God or condemn him. Now I know that he cursed the day that he was born and he cursed the day that he was living but he wanted to pass from the scene of time but he never pointed the finger at God. You see, my dear friend, when God is with you you can face hell and high water and come out on the other side. With our God we can run through a troop and we can leap over a wall. The meaning of this walk Time's gonna beat me. Notice not only the meaning of this walk, but the motive of this walk. Have you noticed anything about him? It wasn't until he became a father that he started to walk with God. After his son Methuselah was born at 65, then he walked with God. I was uh, visiting around Tobermore quite some time ago for a mission. Uh, I have invitations coming for our knock every door in 2024. They're coming. Hopefully we'll be able to give you a few of them up. 4,000 of them ordered. I'm all excited. I can't wait. Can't wait. But here we were up in Tobamore up in Mid-Ulster. And I remember, I can still see me going to this house. And this has happened quite a number of times. I remember going to this door and knock this door. And this woman came with a wee baby in her arms. That was just the loveliest wee thing. Mind you, I can't help but think, how can anybody? Esther's, Esther's been trying to console me. Now that wee baby was found in a plastic bag. It's not terrible? But you never know what's in the person's mind. So we need to pray for that person. Don't condemn her. You don't know what kind of mental state she was in. Pray for her. But this wee woman up around Tobermore and uh, went in, at the, knocked at the door, and she came with this wee baby in her arms. And I said, You know who I am? And she says, I know by the luck of you, are a faith mission worker. I said, That's right, because we used to wear gray trousers, blue, gray, uh, blue suit, and, and a white shirt. Almost like a faith mission pilgrim today, so I am. The only thing is, I need a wee red stripy tie. And I went to the door, and she says, I, I, I know you're a faith mission. I said, I'm having a mission. I said, I heard about it. She says, oh, Let me tell you, you see, when this wee thing here was born, I gave my life to Christ. She says, Because I felt the awful responsibility and burden that i was bringing another little life into this world and i had nothing to give it and i needed god does anybody agree with that those of you who have brought children into this world don't you know that there's a huge responsibility placed upon us we can't listen listen we can't do it without god oh yes we can be a parent And I often say, and I I hope people understand what I'm saying, but why be born once if you're not going to be born again? And if we can do, and I'm not saying that you can guarantee that your children will be saved and that they'll be born, at at least if you're living for them, if you're living for God and they see you walking with God and they see you living for Him, then at least they've got something they can hang on to and let God do the rest. That seems to me to be what happened. He became, the first motivation was family. Now I have a whole big half hour segment here of what it means to be a family. You know there's a structure within the family. There's a father, there's a wife, and there's the children. There's a word there that in in Genesis says, and they shall cleave, in Genesis 2, cleave. Do you know what cleave means? It means you're stuck with them. Literally. <laughs> you see that day you walked up the aisle? That word cleave says you're stuck. It has the same meaning as cement. Yeah, can't you get out of it unless somebody calls a halt to it. But notice also whenever God created a woman, this is very, very interesting, and I'm not going to take time to go into it. Maybe it's a sermon for another time. But whenever God took the, the, the rib out of Adam, he took it nearest to his heart. Adam, listen, I know that a lot of people don't like this teaching. Adam Adam was to be the head of the home and Eve was to be the heart of the home. I, I, I had a young couple came to me one time. You see that word submit, she says to me. It wasn't you, Catherine, sure it wasn't. no. You see, you see that? You see that word? I don't want you using it in our ceremony. And another family came to me once, and they said to me, "That was what God's policewoman's daughter." I'm not saying who she was, but they went to Lauren. And anyway, <laughs> and, and she said, "She said I want you to preach about hell at our." I said, "Listen, you'll have enough hell in your marriage without me preaching at the wedding day on hell." I said, "I will not preach about hell at anybody's wedding." And I'll tell you for why, because marriage is supposed to be a reflection of the love of God with, his bride, with Christ and the bride. Isn't that right? Why would you preach about hell at your wedding? I'm not going to hijack and ambush people when they come to you. Don't you ask me to preach about hell at your wedding either. I hope there'll be a few here. I'll be praying for you that there will be. No, she didn't want, she didn't want the word uh, submit. My dear friend, I'm, I don't, I'm not taking time. We'll, we'll preach it some other time. But see that word, submit. If you read carefully through Ephesians chapter five, you'll see that both Adam, are, both the husband and the wife, are to be submitted under the headship of Christ. So there's no two who are in control. And anyway, any house that has got two heads is a monstrosity. But we also have a setup. Enoch said, I want to be a godly father. I want to be the head of my home. I want to love my wife. And I need God. I'll tell you what else was the motivation. Fear. Fear. Where where do you find that? Well, after, we're going to have to do a wee bit of sums here. He was 65 years when he begat Methuselah. The name means, does anybody know what Methuselah's name means? Come on, anybody know what it means? When it comes, or sorry, let me say it's a strange name. When it comes, or when he goes, it shall be sent. Or Sam Workman used to say, when he is gone, it shall come. The flood. Now, there's an interesting thing about Enoch. I know you've had to use your thinking cap this morning, but there's an interesting thing about Enoch. In, in Jude chapter 14, it says that Enoch was a prophet. And in I think it's in Amos chapter 3 and verse 7, it says that God reveals the secrets of his heart to his prophets. So, so what we deduct from that is there was a time that Enoch searched for God. He heard there was a rumor going on that there was going to be some tremendous catastrophe. And I'm assuming that he must have sought the Lord and the Lord had impressed upon his heart that there was. And you see that lad there? You call him Methuselah because whenever he's dead, it'll come. Now hands up those of you who know how old Methuselah was. He got the best value out of the old pension. Hands up those of you who know how old Methuselah was. Go shout it out. 969 years. Do you know what the 969 years represent? 2 Peter 3 and 5. Where God talks about the long, Paul, Peter talks about the long suffering of the Lord. That almost a thousand years that Enoch knew of the, of the, coming of this awful catastrophe, and he was going to gather his family to know God. Do you want to do the math? Well, listen, in Genesis 5, verse 25, Methuselah was 187 years of age. He begat Lamech, and we find in Genesis 5, verse 28, there's 182. That means 369 years he is, the time Lamech is born. And what age was Noah when the flood came? Does anybody know? Six years. So 369 and 600, 600 years is 969 years when the flood came. Noah moved with fear to the saving of his home. It's, it says in Genesis 6. So there was a motivation of fear, but also very quickly and time is near gone. The third motivation was faith. Hebrews 11 verses 5 to 6 says that by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and he was not found. Because God had taken him. For before he had taken him, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And you know what the Bible says about pleasing God without faith? It's impossible to please God. The Bible in, 11, in Hebrews 11 and 1 gives us a definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen as yet. But not only does it give us a definition, it also gives us a description. A description. Faith is a substance. That word substance is in the Greek word is "hopa." Hestome. Hopa means something to stand up on. And histome means to stand firm. So faith is something that stands or is under us and something that we can stand up on. And you don't get faith by getting somebody to pray for you. You get faith by seeking God and believing his word. Hearing truth, Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. When we come together as a community of God's people, I know it's not something we need to worry about too much here. Make sure your phone's switched off. Make sure you're not doing the, the, the tomorrow's shopping and you even forget about cooking the dinner later on. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And one of the things that the enemy does, as we know that he works and is active in our minds, he tries to distract us. He tries to draw us away from what God will say to us. And sometimes we need to pull ourselves away and take ourselves by the throat and say, I want to listen to what God says. And that begins to strengthen our muscles. Don't allow your concentration to wander. Now, that word in Romans 10, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, is the word logos. That word logos is a general word from God. This is God's word. That is the Logos of God. That is God's word. Are you with me now? You haven't fallen asleep yet. This is very important. That's the Logos. But there was a preacher one day, and he was away preaching. And the wee daughter, obviously the mother had passed away, and the wee daughter used to ring him every day. Well, she wasn't so wee. She probably was in her 20s. And she used to ring the daddy every day when he was away preaching here, there, and yonder. And, and, and this day he didn't ring her back. And he didn't take the call. And she rang him the next day. She says, Daddy, I'm looking for a new daddy. Because you didn't ring me back. He says, but I sent you a text. That's the Rima. God can send a word into your life that can utterly and completely and totally transform your life and turn your life right around. And begin to make things real to you. Things become vibrant. Things become essential. New desires, new hopes, new aspirations. A new you is born when you hear that rima of God to your life that determines and dictates your future. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Here's a little story I picked up. Faith and science had a conversation. Science said, you believe in all that stuff you cannot see? Follow me and let me show you the real world. And so faith said, all right. And as they walked through a flower garden, science said, I can name you every flower in that garden. I, cannot, uh, I can tell you what attracts the bee for honey. And faith says to science, that's good. Next day, they went through a forest. Science said to him, see every tree in that forest? I can name every tree. And what produces sap? And science, said, Faith said, or science said, I can name you every tree. And uh, Faith said, that's good. They kept walking and they came to a huge body of water and Sainz stopped at his tracks. said, I can't go any further. Faith pushed him and said, but he said, I have nothing to stand on. Then Sian, or faith said, uh, "Well, then, science, get behind me," and uh, faith uh, got science to walk behind him, and they went back through the forest, back through the gardens, and faith said to science, "You didn't name the lily of the valley. You didn't tell me the name of the the bright and the morning star. You didn't tell me about the about the uh, about the 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 tree upon which." They would hang the Lord Jesus Christ, and when they came to the body of water, Faith walked on out into the water and said, "I can't go any further. How are you walking on the water?" He says, "I've got something to stand up on—the Word of God." You and I, my dear friends, are we bit like that? We stand. On the word of God. If we are going to be successful in our lives, if we're going to be successful servants, if we're going to be successful in our marriages, if we're going to be successful in our professions, we need to stand up on the word of God. Here's the last thing the maintenance of this walk, and I'm near done. Keep short accounts. Who of us didn't blunder this week? Tell it to the Lord. Short accounts. The second thing, a searching attitude. You ever, t- ever entertained the wrong attitude, have you? You're all perfect then, is that right? You saw that person you didn't like and you couldn't wait to get sense on something about them. A searching attitude. That's something I often do, is search my attitude and my motivation. My car is constantly talking to me. Anybody's car here, talk to them. My car talks to me. There's wee lights flashes on the dash if I'm going too fast. That ever happen to any of you? It, see, there's a wee red dot in the middle of the screen in front of my dash, and it says if it's in a 30, you'll see a 50, but if you're doing 51, it'll be flashing at you. Slow down, boy. Slow down. And then if it's cold outside, if it's under 4 degrees, it says, careful, the temperature outside is 4 degrees, so therefore it could be freezing. And then it'll say something else: your brake pads, or it's slippery on the road, and I've turned. It turns off certain aspects uh, of the the mechanics of my car when when there's certain elements going on outside. My car is always talking to me. I said, "Would you ever shut up?" (coughs) The spirit of God comes to us, and let's flash those flashing lights. And we experience something of the convicting power of God when it comes to us. When we're thinking things and we're saying things and we're doing things that are not pleasing to him. And he does that for a reason. Not to hurt us, but to get us to go back in line again. And then the last thing is to surrender your aspirations. It just means, God, I'm giving myself away and I'm letting you take control. Enoch walked with God. And he's still walking today. It's been a wee bit deep today. hasn't it been for you? But I hope it's been searching. Are you walking with God? Let's bow together in prayer. Then we're going to sing our last song. Our Father, we pray that as we ponder your truth, as we think about this great giant of faith, Lord, very little said about him in your word, and yet, Lord, what there is, is deep enough for us to, to, to be overwhelmed almost with the truth of your word. God grant that we each one will serve you with a clear heart, walk with you in the valley of the shadow of death. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I'm going to get you to stand and sing three verses of that hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Thank you, folks. It is well. We're going to sing verse one, three and five. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea belows row, whatever my lot has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. We'll stand and sing together. Thank you. pray together. If, if you have a need, there's always folks here to pray with you if you have that need. If you want to know the Lord's touch, if you want to hear his voice into your heart, if you want to know liberty and freedom in some area, and you want to gain that freedom, do please wait behind We be folk to pray with you. Father, partisan your fear with your blessing. May we hear and take uh, joy in seeing one, uh, Lord, who is able to deliver And to set us free. Lord may we be truly those who walk with God. Lord may we be motivated. To live for his glory. May we Lord be motivated. To be good fathers. Husbands. Good parents. Lord as we walk with God. We think Lord. that The only hope that this world is. Of the the nuclear family. Walking with God. In this troubled world. Bless your word to our hearts we pray in Christ's name. And everybody said. And what were they shouting? And those still rejoicing? Oh, you're getting it. You're getting it.